information that you receive on Exclusively Inclusive Podcast is designed to be a learning experience for patients and listeners in order to supplement their own information so they can be better equipped to be advocates in their own healthcare journey. The opinions expressed by Erin Everett are the opinions of her own and do not represent any third parties or separate entities. In addition, the specialists that present on the show are also here to supplement your own healthcare information and are not designed to replace any treatment plans or information you're receiving from your own healthcare specialists. We hope that you enjoy the show and continue to subscribe and listen in. It's all about helping people um, achieve their wholeness and their real selves. And I, and I love that. I think it's the ultimate thing that we can do in primary care for anybody, really. Welcome to Exclusively Inclusive, your source for the latest in LGBTQIA healthcare, transgender HRT, and personal empowerment. Here's your host, Erin Everett. All right, welcome back to Exclusively Inclusive. I'm your host, Erin Everett, nurse practitioner. And today's show is going to be a little bit more special because I have one of my favorite people ever here on the show with us tonight. And her name is Michelle Siriev. So say hi, Michelle. Hey, Erin. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Michelle is a wonderful asset to the community and not only to her patients, but her colleagues. So we're very excited to hear from her today. And um, she's going to be introducing herself here. So Michelle, if you wouldn't mind like giving us a full intro, your name, your preferred pronouns, that type of thing. Absolutely. So again, my name is Michelle Suryev. Um My pronouns are she and hers. I am a family nurse practitioner. I'm in practice here in Atlanta, Georgia at a private practice. We do internal medicine and endocrinology. Um, I am an HIV specialist, and I also um, specialize in HIV prevention as well as treatment. I um, have a focus in transgender health and have since I've been in practice as a nurse practitioner when I started in 2012. Like I said, I live here in Atlanta uh, with my husband in Reynoldstown. We've been here since 2008, so we've seen a lot of changes around here. And we live here um, with our two dogs, Oliver and Ruby. Oliver's a German Shepherd rescue, and Ruby's our little beagle mix that we got from the Atlanta Humane Society. And I came into nursing as a second career. Um, I was already well into my 30s when I went to nursing school. And I wanted to become an an RN um, basically for the schedule. I really liked the idea of three twelves a week. And I was a writer. And so I thought that would be a good way for me to foster my writing career. And then I went to nursing school and decided I wanted to change the world and go into health policy. (laughs) I had no idea that nursing was going to hit me like such a bomb. Mm -hmm. And I worked in emergency medicine for five years. I wanted to kind of be on the front lines of everything that was quote, quote unquote wrong with the system. And about six months in, I realized I did not want to be involved in policy (laughs) and uh, it was a little too much. Um, So I worked in emergency medicine and got a very, very healthy appreciation for prevention and uh, wellness as part of healthcare. So I decided what would make sense would be for me to go back, get my master's degree, become a nurse practitioner so that I could focus on primary care, prevention, healthcare, and wellness. And I think it was a very natural progression for me to get into transgender care because I really do think that it is all about wellness and it's not a disease state. And 
it's all about helping people um, achieve their wholeness and their real selves. And I, and I love that. I think it's the ultimate thing that we can do in primary care for anybody, really. Um, so it was a natural progression, like I said. I am a member of the American Academy of HIV Medicine, like Aaron. So I'm special, my specialty is through them, and I serve on their national board of directors. I'm also the co-chair of the NP committee for the organization nationally, and I sit on the Georgia Steering Committee. Uh, we do a lot of work in not only HIV medicine, but also we're kind of moving into looking at sexual health and uh, transgender um, health and wellness as well. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, now we know a little bit more about you professionally and personally. What is one fun fact that not everybody knows about you? One fun fact, let me think. Well, the thing I always love to say when people ask me this question is to tell, to brag maybe a little about how I was in an all-girl band in Athens, Georgia in the 90s, early oh, 90s. Amazing. We were one of the first all-girl bands around, so that was really fun. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Michelle's credentials are obviously extensive and amazing, and so we're really excited to have her here and to learn a little bit more about what she has to offer the community. So basically, the way that I met Michelle is we used to work together at our previous practice, and Michelle became a fierce mentor of mine and really helped me jump into HIV care and transgender medicine. So I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Michelle, and even if I was, I definitely wouldn't be half the provider that I am. So I've learned a lot from her. Of course. Right back at you. <laughs> so that takes us to what we want to talk about today. Some things that we've heard back from the community looking on um, the Instagram page and the Facebook page. We've had some questions. And one of the questions was, um, you know, as somebody who's not involved in the community directly, how could they make sure that they are asking people their preferred pronouns appropriately? And how could they interact with people who are gender diverse or in the trans community, both in the workplace and you know, out in the general public. So I was wondering, Michelle, if you could help people navigate that a little bit, because it is a little bit different when you're not in the community. Absolutely. Sometimes um, in my clinical setting, I don't know what people's pronouns are walking into the room. So usually when I'm trying to uh, ask somebody about their preferred pronouns, and I'm not sure if they um, go by pronouns that are congruent with their gender expression as I perceive it. And that is super important that you mentioned that. I'm really glad you did. Yeah. So we can get into that in a little bit too. Absolutely. So what I will do is introduce my pronouns and I'll say, you know, my name is Michelle Suryev. I'm a nurse practitioner. My pronouns are she and her. And I think it's interesting from, I, I just thought about this as a nurse practitioner. I think mm -hmm. uh, society thinks most MPs are a lot of MPs are women. Mm -hmm. So I come in and I think people perceive me very much as a cis woman. Mm -hmm. And they kind of oftentimes look at me like, well, duh. <laughs> and so it's a really nice way to sort of break the ice and right. get people talking about it. Yeah. And one of my favorite things is when I encounter someone who's never been asked what their pronouns are and mm -hmm. never really thought about it. Mm -hmm. And they are never offended. Um, and they're usually... Either, either really grateful that mm -hmm. I've asked or kind of enlightened by the question. Mm -hmm. So when you ask them, are you literally saying to them, so, hi, my name's Michelle, um, and they obviously will then go ahead and, hey, I'm Sarah, I'm mm -hmm. Jim, Jack, or Bob, whatever their name is, 
do you say, and what is your preferred pronoun? Or do you segue into it differently? Or how do you kind of approach that? I usually say my preferred pronouns are she and her. And what are your preferred pronouns? Usually I just ask it straightforward, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's great. I had somebody, I have a pen, a little pen that has my pronouns on it. Mm -hmm. And I had someone in clinic the other day kind of look at it because it's really small. It's pretty Mm -hmm. subtle. Um, and she was looking at it and saying, what does that say? And I explained it to her and, um, she kind of looked at me funny, like she didn't know what I was talking about. And I said, you know, not everybody goes by pronouns that are what I perceive as their gender expression. So what does that mean for somebody who doesn't know what that means? Um, what's the best way that we can kind of get them to understand. One of the ways that I explain it is sometimes when I'm teaching uh, nursing students or Mm -hmm. nursing graduate students, and I talk about how in the field of nursing, we used to have to wear all whites. Mm -hmm. Um, Way back when we had to wear dresses, nursing truly was an all Mm -hmm. just cis female, very gendered (laughs) profession. Very, very binary. Yes. And the way that I present wearing pants and, you know, button down shirts sometimes or a jacket would have been perceived as very, very masculine back Mm -hmm. then. But now it's seen as normal for, Mm -hmm. you know, a cis woman to dress that way. So I kind of break it down that way to give that really extreme example. And Mm -hmm. then I kind of move further by saying, you know, some people choose to express themselves very in a very feminine way, some people in a very masculine way, some people in a very, um, what I would say, non-binary way, where it's neither, and just kind of explain it that way. Does that make sense? Yes, because I think what you're saying is that, you know, basically for someone who is cis female, identifies as female, may not be into dresses, may not be into flowers and pretty things, but so they might be more androgynous and not have actually have a female gender expression. So maybe just plain pantsuits, um, and that's totally fine. But people might um, want to ask them what their pronouns are because the gender expression isn't necessarily what they identify as. Right, right. Know? And I, really to, I just realized, um, I'm not sure if you've done this on a previous podcast, but we didn't explain what cis means, um, cis and trans. Um, yeah, let's so revisit a lot it. Of people, yeah, a lot of people don't um, know the, the, what that means. So mm-hmm. it comes from chemistry. And so um, cis is basically the same and mm-hmm. trans is inverse. And I was assigned female at birth. And I identify as female, so I am a cis female Mm -hmm. versus someone who was assigned female at birth, but their gender is male or masculine. That means that they are transgender or a trans man or trans masculine. So just to explain that real quick. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I appreciate that because I'm sure listeners are wondering. (laughs) Now, on the same um, note, I I would like to add that I don't think that it's necessary to always introduce yourself with your pronouns. People trip over, do I need to introduce myself with my pronouns in Mm -hmm. every single setting? Mm -hmm. Because that can get really awkward and Mm -hmm. be off-putting. So I think it's important to be able to read social cues Mm -hmm. and understand when it's important to Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So I think, you know, the distinction there is for what you're doing on the daily, you're going into patient rooms, you want to make sure that you're creating a safe space and then you're acknowledging them and affirming them. So it's really important that you introduce yourself with your pronouns and allow them to let you know what their preferred pronoun is. However, if you're going to the coffee shop and you're going to order a cappuccino, not everyone needs to know your preferred pronoun because it can come on a little too strong and sometimes people just want to be stealth and carry on. Absolutely. Which I think leads <clears throat> is a good segue into thinking about if 
people who aren't in the community or don't have a lot of interaction with the community but want to know how to uh, sensitively interact with the community or mm -hmm. if they ever have questions, how to approach mm -hmm. the, that. So one of the other questions like Michelle was uh, addressing is that people want to know if they're out in the general public, how can they be respectful of their uh, gender diverse community members? I think looking to the community uh, as um, as a lead to um, not only the LGBTQ community, but also uh, allies of that community. And I really try hard to model uh, be activities and behavior and, and language, especially for people who may not have that much experience with it. Um, I think asking questions and remembering how important it is to ask very respectful questions and not intrusive questions. So what would be an example of an intrusive versus a respectful question? If you're meeting someone, <laughs> say you're meeting a trans woman for the very first time, you've gone through introductions, you've um, shared your pronouns with each other, and you just want to know a little bit more about what it means to be a transgender woman. And this person has told you that they're an open notebook, ask me anything, I want to help you understand mm -hmm. you know, what this is all about or whatever. Um, maybe not asking about their genitalia. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I mean. I think yeah. you probably knew I was coming to that because oh, yeah. I think that's what everyone goes to. Right. And I remember when early on in my career, I started um, doing talks in a human sexuality course in Emory. And I used to always kind of pause about that because I'd be like, there was a huge separation between sexual orientation and gender identity. We really tried to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. But I had this moment where I was like, until we are coming comfortable talking about sex and thinking about sex, we are never going to be comfortable talking about gender Absolutely. and gender identity. So that's where the two kind of came together. But that's not to be confused with it's mm -hmm. all about sex because right. it's absolutely not. Right. Right. And I think it's really important that you made that distinction that it's not appropriate to ask about somebody's genitalia or whether they've had, you know, um, surgical gen genitalia reassignment, like whether they've had a phalloplasty or vaginoplasty, because <clears throat> a lot of patients don't go on to have that surgery. That doesn't make them any less female or any less male. That's and exactly right. the general public are often hung up on that and whether or not they've had surgery, if they've pre-op or post-op and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. And it's just not that important. It's so, not. No. I think it gets sensationalized when mm -hmm. you start talking about that. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, unfortunately, um, transgender health um, and the trans community has been politicized. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very, very careful to not be led down that road. Right. Into a trap of sensationalization. Right. right. Absolutely. Well, I think that was some very good uh, information on how to, <clears throat> so how the rest of our listeners can be sensitive to, you know, the gender diverse community. So one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was since you're a healthcare provider yourself, um, and you and I practice in very similar um, offices, um, however, you have a lot more experience in the social movement and um, politics and civil rights and just trying to make sure that people gain rights who don't have them. And so as a healthcare provider and with your special interests, what do you see as one of the largest areas of uh, disparity in our healthcare as far as it pertains to the LGBTQ community? 
That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very complex. And I think we can think about this in terms of uh, the general population at large, really. Uh, I think about when we talk about Ryan White programs and what a really quite extraordinary job they have done with um, helping people who are living with HIV, who may be uninsured or underinsured, and how that whole program just really, really sets people up for success and, and really serves the community in, in a good way, you know, Ryan White Clinics. For sure. And how, why can't we put that model to all of healthcare. So, so I, we'll, sorry to interrupt you, but for okay. people who aren't familiar with Ryan White, uh, what kind of population do they mainly serve? So Ryan White clinics are HIV clinics that serve people living with HIV who are un or uninsured or underinsured. So uninsured, no insurance, underinsured, meaning their coverage is really not covering most of their care. That's correct. Okay. Yes. And um, they and it's federally funded. Ryan White was a um, young man, young boy actually who um, got HIV from a blood transfusion in the '80s, um, and he was a total hero. He stood up for um, people living with HIV, and um, so the um, program is named after him. So it's federally funded, and we do a really really great job um, in those programs, uh, mm-hmm. serving a large part of the community. I think, though, with the general population as well as LGBTQ people, I think there's a huge disparity in people who may have insurance, what they perceive as good insurance, right? or they don't have any insurance at all and they're not living with HIV. So mm-hmm. I think that that can be a very difficult um, segment of the population to serve mm-hmm. and to um, get into care. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another disparity that we see is uh, the amount of um, discrimination that the LGBTQ community has seen in healthcare, Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times they don't present to care um, at all because they're Mm -hmm. afraid of being discriminated against Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of um, health anxiety Mm -hmm. about going to clinics. So sometimes they don't have... They haven't had uh, screenings that are really, really important. Maybe they haven't had a full vaccination series. You know, so it's really important to assess um, health status and wellness mm-hmm. and all those things that mm-hmm. we do to keep people healthy. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I really do think that heteronormative individuals walking into uh, a clinic who identify as cis really take for granted how easy it is to gain access to care. You know, they're not having to walk in and feel terrified. And maybe some do feel terrified of pelvic exams for other reasons, but um, not because they have grave genital dysphoria or, you know, wonder if, you know, they're having a prostate issue. Is the examiner really going to be familiar with a trans woman and be sensitive or are they going to make them feel really uncomfortable and ashamed of their uh, birth genitalia? You know, these are like legit concerns. Absolutely. One of my favorite things that I do all day is once I build that rapport and let someone know that they're in a safe space Mm -hmm. and that they can be their authentic self Mm -hmm. and that we are partnering in their health. They are absolutely in control at all times. Mm -hmm. So I love to just let people know I'm going to meet you where you're at in your healthcare and to see the anxiety just float away. And Mm -hmm. it really does happen way more often in uh, the LGBTQ community. Right. They've had to hide their truth. 
They mm -hmm. haven't felt like they could talk to healthcare providers about um, anything from sexuality to how they brush their teeth at night. You know, right. they think that they're being judged from the moment they walk in. And mm -hmm. it's really, really gratifying to be able to offer a very inclusive environment to folks like that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I wish there was more of us out there doing that. So <clears throat> yeah, and I think access. I, and I think what people don't think about too, unfortunately, within the community, there's a lot of um, shame, there's a lot of discrimination just within the community. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important just to always be mindful of mm -hmm. uh, being as inclusive as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, also, just to flutter back a little bit to the pronouns, I meant to ask you, um, when you're talking to someone and you know that their preferred pr pronoun may be she, her, and you slip up and misgender uh, them, what's the best way to handle that? That is a great question. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I tell people this, don't be afraid to mess up. <laughs> you right. know, just go ahead and make the mistake and you apologize. And you often, sometimes I don't even apologize. I just, I mean, I apologize by correcting myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just kind of look them in the eye and say, I'm sorry, he, you know, or um, this happens a lot when I'm uh, seeing um, people who are under 18 and they're there with their parents mm -hmm. um, and their parents, oftentimes by the time they get to my office, the parents are usually fairly supportive of their kid um, for the most part, but they inevitably mess up on the pronouns and they, they really, really get very upset about this. And I explain with the kid there in the room, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. Just correct yourself and mm -hmm. just let him know that you see him for who he is. And, and that's the, you know, that's all you can really do. Mm -hmm. And it's really quite as simple as that. Right. That makes me also think about um, they, them pronouns, and that's gotten a lot of uh, attention lately, I think, in mm -hmm. social media and in pop culture, and uh, people get really tripped up by the idea of they, them pronouns, and what I say to people is you don't have to understand it. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you understand it or not. Mm -hmm. If you are a binary person, like I'm a cis female, mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like to be non-binary, to not identify as male or female, but that doesn't matter. I can right. still call you by what you want to be called. Right. It's very simple, and mm -hmm. it's not hurting anybody. Right. And it's honestly no different from someone deciding to go by their middle name versus their first name. Absolutely. It's just what they prefer. And uh, you don't have to understand it, like you said. Absolutely. So in order to further expand on the they, them pronouns, can you explain for me a little bit what it might mean for someone who's not familiar with the community? Um, what does it mean to be non-binary or gender fluid or gender queer? If you think about gender identity as a sort of dynamic continuum that where male is on one side, female is on the other, non-binary people exist somewhere in between those two, mm -hmm. or maybe even somewhere outside that line that I'm mm -hmm. drawing. Non Gender identity is a social construct. It is something that we have made a lot of decisions going way back about 
I remember reading somewhere that originally pink was not supposed to be the color for females. Mm -hmm. Blue was not supposed to be the color for males. That was decided in a marketing Mm -hmm. room one day. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why we think of blue with boys and pink with girls. Right. That was created. This is all kind of created. So people who are non-binary, I find to be actually quite enlightened and very well aware of the reality of the fact that from day to day, our needs of how we present ourselves to the world or how we feel on the inside may change mm-hmm. depending on who we're around, who we're with, um, who our family is. There's so many different things that um, basically influence um, how we feel about ourselves mm-hmm. in regards to gender that I feel like non-binary people are a little bit more realistic. Yeah. I think that's a really great way to describe it. And it's funny because since I think I've uh, told you this before, but since working with this community um, and, you know, just being really a lot more educated on the gender spectrum, I've also become more comfortable with, you know, how I may want to present and just Mm -hmm. a lot more willing to step outside my box of what I would normally present or wear. And for the most part, I present very female, but, you know, sometimes I want to be a little bit more male and it's fun, you know, and not to take away from how people truly identify, but it's fun to break down those social uh, constructs and tell them, no, like, no, I do want to wear this. I do want to wear these male looking boots because they make me feel good. And it's, and that goes way beyond someone's actual gender identity, but it also comes back to it in the sense that, yeah, why do we have to do what we decide to do in the 1800s? That's what yeah. I mean by non-binary people are quite enlightened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can always kind of empathize a little bit. It's a different fight. It's a different journey, but it's a fight nonetheless. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think that's great. I think it's going to add a lot of value to our listeners. And hopefully we've explained that well. But of course, if anyone's listening to this information, has any questions, please feel free to email me at erin at exclusivelyinclusivepodcast.com. That's Aaron at exclusivelyinclusivepodcast.com. Well, I don't know about you, but I think we had an awesome episode tonight. I think I, we touched a lot of good subjects. I loved being here. Aaron. Yeah, Thank we would so love much. to have you back. Some of the things that I wanted to bring Michelle back on to talk about would be things like reproductive justice and some of the other um, topics that are near and dear to her heart. She has a lot to offer the community. So oh, I would love that. Thank yeah. you so much. Awesome. Well, um, you can find Michelle's contact information at exclusivelyinclusivepodcast.com. We posted underneath this episode episode along with some of the resources that we've discussed um michelle is also going to be tapping us up some resources if patients or providers or allies alike are listening and want some more information about good quality um transgender medicine topics um a lot of the resources that she'll be listing and posting also have um things for people in the lay community and how they can also interact with their gender diverse community members so this is and these are things that michelle and i use uh, both personally and professionally too to navigate through life so absolutely yeah really good stuff so again if you guys have any questions just feel free to email at erin at exclusively inclusive podcast.com and very special thanks to michelle for coming on and giving us all that wonderful information and we look forward to talking again soon all right remember everybody live fierce speak your truth and love everybody 